Welcome back to another episode of Ramiumptum Ruminations. I'm the host, Scott. Today's episode is Church Assigned Friendships. Thanks for coming back to listen to another episode. In today's episode, I want to build off on some of the ideas and concepts that we discussed last week when we were talking about love and unconditional love. This week, I want to examine friendships and talk about the Aristotelian model of friendship and how that can help us better understand some of the relationships that we built within the walls of the church. The title of this episode, Church Assigned Friendships, is a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's also on the nose. When, as members of the church, when we're given ministering assignments, when we work in leadership groups, you know, elders quorums, relief society presidencies, whatever it is, these are church-assigned friendships, specifically for the ministering. As members... We were told who we had to be friends with and that this friendship was designed in order to help keep people in the church and active members. (laughs) So, yes, the church was assigning people friendships. One of the struggles that many people experience when we leave the church, we expected that these friendships we built within the hallways We expected that they would last, that these things would endure after a religious deconstruction. But more often than not, they don't. So let's look into this a little bit. Let's let's try and understand why that is. Since I stopped attending, I'm still a member of record. When I stopped attending, I expected people to reach out to me to ask where I went. These were people that I saw on a weekly basis. These were friends that I had that I interacted with and we chatted and we joked. We hung out at elders quorum events and we we enjoyed each other's company. I expected someone, anybody to reach out to me, but no one did. And for a time I was sad about this. I thought these friendships meant more than they did, apparently. And for a time, this caused pain. I felt really sad about it. I should make an exception that I'm speaking specifically about my ward and not people that I knew in church and stayed in contact with afterwards. Talking specifically about the ward that I was in when I left the church. And again, there's one more stipulation I have to put because I'm I'm just trying to be honest. There is one member of the ward that I am in contact with. He's a very close friend of mine, and we both deconstructed Mormonism around the same time. So (laughs) we've all left the church. Some of us have taken breaks with the intention to, at some point, go back in the future. 
Maybe we're in the church still, but we feel isolated and alone. I remember during some of the hardest points in my life where my wife and I were going through some real emotional struggles. We felt so alone. We would go to church and we had no friends at church and we just felt so alone. So maybe you're feeling this while you're still in the church. There's a wide spectrum of people and the reactions to the church. And so I, I don't want to exclude anyone from this conversation. There's a book that I really like uh, that you've probably heard of. You maybe read it in high school or in, in a college English course. It's called The Catcher in the Rye. As many of my favorite novels, I read this one and did not enjoy reading it. But after reading it, I really liked thinking about it. There's a couple of ways that I could relate this book back to Mormonism. And I, I think I might actually do a separate episode where I talk about, I mean, this is me getting sidetracked, where I talk about the catcher in the rye or Holden Caulfield's idea of being a catcher in the rye as it relates to how the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints infantilizes its members. I think there's some really interesting connections there that uh, maybe I'll do an episode down the road on that. The reason I bring it up today is Holden Caulfield, in, throughout the book, one of the things that he's grappling with is this idea of the masks that people wear in public and in society. And he recognizes that these are not genuine versions of people that they're presenting. He sees all of the adults in his life and recognizes that they are being phony and fake with each other. And it's off-putting to him. And he, he relates growing up with putting on a fake mask to show the public. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the prosperity gospel, the way it works is in the prosperity gospel, if you are successful and happy, that means that you are also worthy and righteous. It's this concept that if bad things happen to you, according to a prosperity gospel, then you must be committing some sort of sin or these, these hardships that you're going through must be related to some choice or action that you made. I will say that this isn't something that's directly taught or actively preached over the pulpit, but it's not discouraged. And when I was an active believing member, this was part of the way I viewed the world. I saw every good thing as a reward for my good behaviors and every bad thing as a punishment for my bad behaviors. So this concept of the prosperity gospel, one of the ways that it affects culture is people when they go to church and they interact with each other, they put on a mask. It's this mask that they wear to show the world how, just how happy they are and just how perfect their life is. But it's so unhealthy and it's so damaging for people to be disingenuous like this. I think that this Another aspect of this is that it hinders people's ability to form real connections with other people. 
you know that some of our closest friends, they're at church, smiling, talking cheerfully, but going through intense grief and pain while pretending like nothing is wrong. Part of this is the purity culture. It encourages people to put on a mask, portray themselves as being happier than they actually are, because that perceived happiness equates worthiness. Now that is a very unhealthy system. We may talk about that down the road, but for now, I want to talk about what we can learn from Aristotle on friendship and why these people that we thought were our friends apparently aren't anymore. Aristotle was a Greek philosopher. He wrote his ethics on friendship around 350 BCE in a work called Nicomachean Ethics. In his Ethics on Friendship, he discusses three very distinct types of friendships. And the way he relates them, I think we could understand a little bit better the relationships that we build in church and why they do not last if you leave. I want you to think about when you were in church, interacting with other members, why were you making friends with them? What was the purpose of that friendship? Did you ever see them outside of church? Or was the friendship strictly within the church's walls? I'll briefly cover all three friendships that Aristotle d- describes in his, in his essay. And then we'll jump back and answer some of these questions. Why were you friends with people in church? And as we're discussing some of these things, I want you to decide which type of friendship best matches the relationships that we develop within the walls of the church. The three types of friendships that he describes are friendships of utility, friendships of pleasure, and complete or true friendships. The first friendship I'm going to discuss is is the friendship of pleasure. And he uses the word pleasure, but it's translated as pleasure in this. And although perhaps those connotations might be valid as well, but it's but it's more than that as well. This this friendship of pleasure is when you take pleasure in someone else's company. You have a friend that you love playing card games with or video games with, or a friend that you enjoy going out to eat with or getting your nails done or a wide variety of things. These friendships of pleasure It's a friendship where you value the other person for the pleasure that they give you rather than the advantages that they provide for you. Now, we'll talk a little bit about these advantages when we talk about a friendship of utility, but he's, Aristotle is describing this friendship of pleasure as what we get out of it is pleasure instead of utility. These friendships of pleasure is where you have a mutual interest in something you enjoy doing something together and this this hobby or this activity is what brings you together to have a mutual friendship these friendships are typically longer lasting than friendships of utility because friendships of pleasure just by their nature you enjoy doing what you're doing with this other person and so you maintain the friendship because you enjoy it i want to be clear that in in aristotle's discourse on this he wasn't really saying that any of these friendships are bad, either the pleasure, the friendship of pleasure or the friendship of utility. 
But the last one that we're going to talk about, the, the complete or whole friendship, he did talk about that one as being the best type of friendship. And we'll get there. We're almost there. <laughs> These friendships of pleasure can end, though. If, for example, let's say it's a card game that you guys enjoy playing together. If either of you stop enjoying the game and that was what brought you together, well, you would need to find something new to bring you together or, the, or this friendship would end. If you moved and, the, and this was purely a friendship of pleasure, you may never hear from this person again outside of the occasional happy birthday wish on Facebook. Now, the next type of friendship I want to talk about, I briefly mentioned, was a friendship of utility. A friendship of utility is a friend where you gain some sort of mutual advantage from the friendship. It only lasts as long as this mutual benefit is there for both parties. When that ends, there is no longer any need for the friendship to continue. Here's, here's what Aristotle has to say on that from, from his essay on Nicomachean ethics. He says, Thus, when the motive of the friendship is done away, the friendship is dissolved, inasmuch as it existed only for the ends in question. A good way to think about this type of friendship, this friendship of utility, is co-workers. You're friendly, you're cordial in the office, you have a good relationship, you might joke and, and laugh all day long. But the only thing bringing you together is the fact that you work together. Many of us have had coworkers move to a different department within the company or leave the company altogether. And you never hear from the person ever again. This is because it's a friendship of utility. The mutual advantage of making the day more pleasant while at work is no longer there. And so the friendship is no longer necessary for either of you. This might be a real logical or perhaps pessimistic way to look at friendships. I want to put a stipulation here that, that these friendships don't have to stay in their particular category. A friendship of utility can turn into a friendship of pleasure. And a friendship of pleasure can turn into a friendship of utility. And they all have the possibility of becoming a complete or whole friendship. And we'll get there in just a minute. Because that's the best type. That is the most healthy and pure type of friendship that there is. It's really the type of relationships we want to develop with our children, with our spouses. It's really what the goal should be. Now I want to talk about complete friendships. A complete friendship or a whole friendship, as, as Aristotle would say it. This type of friendship is very rare. It is not a common type of friendship. The majority of the friends that we make and keep in this life are friends of pleasure. Very rarely do they become a whole or complete friend, according to Aristotle. The way that Aristotle categorizes or, or describes a friendship of this type, he describes it like this. Perfect friendship is the friendship of men who are good and alike in virtue. Now those who wish well to their friends for their sake are most truly friends. For they do this by reason of own nature and not incidentally. Therefore their friendship lasts as long as they are good and goodness 
is an enduring thing, and each is good without qualification to his friend. For the good are both good without qualification and useful to each other. So too they are pleasant, for the good are pleasant both without qualification and to each other. Since to each his own activities, and other, like them, are pleasurable, and the actions of the good are the same or like, and such a friendship is, the, is as might be expected, permanent. I'm going to break this down and, and explain a little bit of what he's trying to talk about here. He's saying that a good or a complete whole friendship, you are good or nice to each other without qualification unconditional love. What he's describing here is unconditional love. This type of friendship wants what's best for the other person and solely for the other person. This type of friendship wants the other person to be their best self, no matter what that looks like. My wife showed me how to do this, how to have this kind of a friendship. As I was deconstructing religion, when we had been having these discussions, when we'd been discussing the subjects that, that you'll hear come up in this, this realm, we were talking about me leaving the church. And this put her in a very hard position. As a believing member, she believes that she needs a temple marriage to enter heaven, telling her that I didn't want that anymore, that I didn't believe that anymore. I want the marriage. I still love her so very much, but it put her in this position where she was forced to choose between me and the church. And she showed me, she made this decision that showed me more love than any other act in my entire life. I haven't talked much about my, my battles with depression or suicidal ideation, but at some point in the future I may bring those subjects up. My wife had been with me through many of those things, and she wanted what was best for me. And what that meant was that may not be what's best for her. So she supported me in my decision to leave, even though she disagreed with it. And that one act, the fact that she chose me, we have a good marriage. But this, it wasn't until this moment that I knew. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit emotional. It wasn't until this moment that I knew that she loved me completely. She loved me without expectations, without qualifications. There were no terms attached to her love. There were no prerequisites that I had to meet in order to keep it. I was worried that I would lose her because I know many people in this realm, in this, in this position, the mixed faith marriage where their marriages end because of it. My own mother asked my wife if she was going to divorce me because I left the church. 
and that is damaging and terrible and and a horrible thing to ask. And many people lose their marriages and their families are torn apart because of this. So I recognize that I am a very, very lucky man to have found a true friendship in my spouse. When I wrote the outline for this episode, that was not part of it. So (laughs) true friendships are very special and very rare. But if you can find a true friend, hold on to them because they are the best kind of friend I'm trying to uh, (laughs) return back to my normal cadence of speech, wipe some of the tears from my eyes. Now, we started this discussion. We were talking about friendships in the church and why people don't stay friends with members of the church after they've left. I asked you as the listener to think about it and, and listen to these descriptions of the different types of friendships and come to a conclusion of which type of friend you think that members of the church are with each other. We have friendships of utility, friendships of pleasure, or complete and whole friendships. Now, while there may be some friendships of pleasure and there may be some complete friendships made within the hallways, within the church, the vast majority of friends that we make in a religious setting are friends of utility. These are friends that we chat with because we see them on a regular basis as we're worshiping and attending church. These are friends that we see when we are cleaning the toilets for a multi-billion dollar corporation. These are friends that we see during our ministering assignments. These are friends that we go to meetings with at the early morning hours or late evening hours on a Sunday. These are friends that we go to mutual with. The minute you stop going to church, the minute you stop holding a calling, the friendship ends. The only thing holding the friendship together was attendance in the church. And the minute that stopped, from one party or the other, the friendship was over. On its own, there's nothing inherently wrong with this type of friendship. The church would actively inhibit these friendships from converting into friendships of the good. Because in order to have a complete friendship, you have to open up to the person. And, And the purity culture the doctrines and the way it's practiced. They discourage people from showing their real selves. The prosperity gospel, the expectation of of maintaining a constant happiness, forces people to wear masks and hide their true emotions from each other. If we're walking the halls of church wearing a mask, preventing anyone from really seeing the hurt or pain or or feelings that we're experiencing, we will never convert these friendships of utility into anything else. They will be simply that, friendships of utility. 
during the time that I had deconstructed most of Mormonism and Christianity, I hadn't quite made the decision to leave the church. Many might disagree with my motives, but I found value in some of the spirituality and I I found value in some of the ritual, but not in the same sense that the church teaches. So I attended for a long time as a non-believing member. And it was difficult at times, but I I stopped attending Sunday school and elders quorum because I just didn't find any value in it. I would more often than not get upset. So I started sitting in the foyer for the last two the last two hours and then for a time during the last hour of the church. And this is what started a very interesting thing. <laughs> we called it foyer class. This friend of mine, Paul, that I've mentioned on occasion, he and I would sit together and we would we would talk openly. We would take our masks off. We would share our vulnerabilities and just have open and real conversations. And during these conversations, some of the other members of, of the ward started sitting with us. It wasn't very many. There couldn't have been more than five people at the most in any of these foyer classes. But here we were sitting in the foyer, four grown adult men discussing depression and struggles with the perfection culture and having real conversations. And it was the most powerful experiences that I had in church from the entire time I went to church, from the time I was a kid until the time that I left. Those foyer classes were healing and inspirational. I don't want to tell the story of other people without their consent, so I won't give any details, but there were, there were men, grown men, that came to my friend Paul and I and talked openly about suicidal ideation and depression, and, and we grew close. And it wasn't until these masks were off that we were able to convert these friendships of utility into something more. Although it is sad that when we leave the church or when our beliefs change, we lose friends. We do. There are people that we interacted with for years that we never see again for the rest of our lives. And that is sad. But if we recognize that it was just a friendship of utility and that maybe the church inhibited our ability to actually become true friends, maybe we can, we can hopefully see the friendship for what it really was and be appreciative of the time that we had with that person and the friendships that, that we had in the church. Because not all of them are meant to last. Friendships of utility usually end the moment you stop having mutual 
benefit from the friendship. And in the translated words of, in the, <laughs> I, was, I was about to say in the words of, but uh, they're translated. I don't speak ancient Greek, so I, I couldn't actually say what his words were. But in the translated words, Aristotle says these friendships are dissolved. They vanish and they go away. Maybe if you reached out to the person and opened up, you could turn it into a friendship of pleasure or a complete friendship. True friendships are very hard to come by. Many of us experience the pain of loss of friends when we leave. If we understand them as the friendships of utility that they were, this loss can be lessened when we recognize that not all friendships last forever. And that's okay. The same thing can be said, and this can be something experienced by a believing member. If there's ever a member of the ward that you loved and you cared for and you served with for years, and then they move away, and you never hear from them again, well, it's because it was a friendship of utility. You guys both attended the same church, and it was mutually beneficial to be friendly while you're there. And that's okay. And it's okay if it hurts that you're not friends with that person anymore. But hopefully understanding the friendship better and the nature of the friendship might lessen that pain a little. Now, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't know of a guidebook on how to develop these, these complete friendships or where to find them, but... As we open up to other people, as we're honest and true with them, if we are good to others, and if we want what's best for other people without expectations, then maybe, just maybe, we can make true friends. And perhaps the pain that we're experiencing from losing these friends at church isn't directly related to the person that we've lost or the friendship that we've lost. But maybe it's because we wanted more from that friendship. We didn't know how to change it into a better, more complete friendship. I've been a bit rambly today, and I apologize. But I hope that you learned a little bit of something, a little bit about different types of friendships from Aristotelian ethics. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I hope that seeing friendships through a different context has helped to understand why these people have never talked to us since we've left. I didn't discuss this in the episode proper, but I do, I do want to mention briefly that our relationships with our parents are friendships of utility until we can legally move out of the house. Now, those friendships of utility don't have to remain friendships of utility. We can convert them into friendships of pleasure or true friendships. If we don't turn it into a true friendship and we leave the church, we're putting up these barriers to this relationship. In my own life and in the lives of people close to me, when we discuss this subject, there is a lot of pain at the lack of acceptance from our loved ones. And maybe that's because these friendships aren't complete friendships. I hope that you've learned 
a healthier way to view the friendships that we had in church and maybe a way to look at why we don't have them anymore when we've left. One last thing that I do want to say on the subject is it's okay to have friendships of utility and friendships of pleasure. The majority of our friendships will fall into those categories. Leaving the church with the expectation that these friendships of utility and these friendships of pleasure will endure after such a dramatic change has happened within us is a misunderstanding of the real nature of those relationships. Not that these aren't good people and not that you're not a good person or I am not a good person. But just as with the relationship of pleasure or with utility, as soon as you don't do the thing in common, you're not at the same job or you don't enjoy the same thing together. If you don't have something else to bring the relationship together, it will end. And that's why many of these relationships do end. Because the church was the only thing bringing these people together. Frankly, it was the only thing keeping me together with other people in my life that I still wanted to have a relationship with. And that has been the biggest struggle is finding something new that brings us together. If this is content that you enjoy, I would greatly appreciate likes and subscribes. Leave comments on whatever podcast streaming app that you use. That will help more people find the podcast. As always, I want you to have an excellent day.